Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Tuesday, March 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day. And I'm Blair Kirkhoff. About two weeks remained in baseball spring training when the games were shut down for the coronavirus. And now camps are closed. Opening day is several weeks away. I think we're looking at sometime in May at the earliest. On his first day back in Kansas City, Lynn Worthy stopped by to discuss what was going on with the Royals in Surprise, Arizona. What could have been expected had the season started on schedule? I think there was some good news about the bullpen. Hey, uh, so in the second segment, we have a little bit of an interruption. Just to give you a heads up, Lynn and I were talking about um, the Royals' prospects at first base when Dayton Moore gave Lynn a call. So that's... uh, You'll hear a little bit of a, a change uh, about three or four minutes into the into the second segment. So here's Lynn and I talking Royals baseball. So Lynn, just give us your schedule. When did you um, when did you come back from from spring training? We are recording this in the podcast studio, which is the last place I expected to be talking to you on uh, on March on St. Patrick's Day, March seventeenth. So tell us about your return. When did you come back? What was your timetable? Uh, so I came back on uh, Sunday, so uh, we, we're taping this on Monday, so I got back last night from Arizona. Um, we decided on Saturday that I was definitely going to come back. Uh, we started talking about it probably Thursday, Friday, about whether or not there was a point of me staying in Arizona or not. Um, and like I say, we started talking about that Thursday, Friday, and you know, a week ago, I didn't see any of this coming. I mean, I think a week ago was when we heard Monday... I was in, uh, I was at Salt River Fields and um, at Talking Stick, and that's when we started seeing in the middle of a exhibition game the news about they're going to close the clubhouses, which we were sort of saying, oh, that's ridiculous. And then the next day we were joking about it a little bit, and a couple of days later it's like, hurry up and come on <laughs> back home, and you know, just about everything was shut down. It was sort of, um, I guess everybody uses the term surreal, but it was sort of surreal to see how fast things changed. You know. We hear similar stories of kind of where we were a week ago, and um, we're, this is running on Tuesday, as you said, we're recording it Monday. Monday, nobody had much of an idea, uh, but then the Ivy League decided to you know, cancel its basketball tournament. A couple other conferences announced they were uh, operating without fans in the stands on Tuesday, and I can remember rolling my eyes was a little, a little too strong a description, but I remember thinking, is it really necessary to do that? And a week later, less than a week later, um, you know, the, the world shut down. That I'll tell you, I think it's, it does speak to the uh, ability to, you know, communicate, get the word out, and mobilize. And um, and and uh, this isn't this isn't change behavior over the course of weeks and months. This is over days. And 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 sports is a great example of, you know, the ability to <laughs> shut it down. Yeah, yeah, and I think um you know the the biggest thing to me was just to think about Tuesday, the first day they had the clubhouses closed and we had a different media set up where they had to bring people to you and you weren't allowed to even go, you know, past a certain point and um I remember doing an interview outside one-on-one and coming back in. I was talking to Nick Heath, an outfielder for the for the Royals and um 
Whit Merrifield's in the sort of little hallway there where the bat racks are. And he sees me and him walk back through the door together and he goes, Hey, six feet, six feet rule. He's holding out a bat and saying, Six feet away, six feet away, kicks up a foot, six feet away, six feet away. And so the ongoing joke that day was the whole six foot rule. And players would go by and see us all huddled in this little room because that's where you could actually talk to guys. And they'd poke a head in and say, Oh, I, I need to stay out of this room. Who knows what you guys got? And, you know, guys were making jokes about how, uh, you know, it might. It must be more difficult for us. And oh man, that must stink for you guys. This whole new setup. And um, that's Tuesday. And then Wednesday night, the NBA shuts down because they they find out that Rudy Gobert's got you know tested positive. And just me personally, I know a guy who covers that team who ended up having to get tested subsequently after that. So um, and then by Thursday, everything's shut down. We were sitting in the media room waiting to find out what was going to ha- happen with MLB. And you see it just happen sort of tick off one by one. This tournament's canceled. That tournament's canceled. Kansas says they're not going to the NCAA tournament. Duke says they're not going. And then there's no NCAA tournament. And it was just sort of rolling off as we're waiting to find out what's going on with baseball. And eventually baseball suspended everything. And at the time was saying that it's going to be at least two weeks for the opening day. And we, don't know, we now know that's not going to happen either. Yeah, I was gonna, that was my next question to you. The the original thought from Major League Baseball, I think they, they had moved the opening day to, was it April 9th? Or? Yeah, yeah, it was at least two weeks, two weeks, which would have put it on April 9th. And as of today, uh, Commissioner Rob Manfred had uh, basically come out and publicly acknowledged that that's not going to happen, that they're going to abide by the CDC um, recommendations that no gatherings of over, over 50 people for eight weeks. And you do the math, eight weeks puts you at least into the middle of May before you can you know, start thinking about hosting games. And that's without actually factoring in how long it takes for you to get guys ready to play games again when you had stopped before spring training had even finished. So um, it might be, we're probably looking at June before we see some Major League Baseball. Boy, what kind of, what kind of season could you have? I know this is, you know, we're just starting now to think about a, you know, uh, an abbreviated baseball season. But now what we're talking about, maybe a incredibly abbreviated baseball season. I, I'm, I'm old enough to remember the strike year of 1981 where the teams played basically two halves of seasons with about 50 games in each half and did the expanded playoffs and uh, did the postseason that way. What, how many games can a, can, a base, can a baseball season have, each team have in a baseball season? And, and it – be a competitive baseball season well i mean i think you may be looking at something more akin to that where you're going to have you know instead of 162 maybe more like 100 um and that's just me you know i'm not that's not coming from anywhere in particular but um and it's going to really you know it's going to be really different compared to what we're used to and i still don't know what it means for the rosters because um, I think in years like um, when they had the when they came back from the strike and uh, was it 95, 94, 95? Uh, 94 you know, was they didn't finish the season. Yeah, 95 started a little late. And I think they had made some adjustments to the roster because of late spring and everything. Um, this year they had already made changes to the roster where they're going to add a 26 man. I don't know if they make any more changes just to accommodate this you know sort of abbreviated season or whether they'll try and condense the schedule whether the Players Association will work with them to let them do that because trying to cram more games into a short period of time could be a real toll on players, and the Players Association would have to sign off on that. Um, so the season 
I mean, you really don't know what it's going to look like, but you just know it's going to be different and it's going to be most likely shorter. I mean, I think even in the release today, Commissioner Manfred said something along the lines of, we'll try and get as many games in as possible, which to me is acknowledging that the season's going to be cut short. They just don't know by how much yet. Wow. And you think of, um, you know, the, the players will be fine in this. You know, it'll actually, from a, you know, from an injury healing standpoint, it's uh, it's not the worst news in the world for people like uh, Aldoberto Mondesi and others who are still kind of dealing with nagging injuries. The people I feel sorry for are the, you know, the stadium personnel, the stadium workers, you know, people who's, you know, who work the concession stands and sell the beer and, um, you know, they're, you know, throughout baseball, there have to be thousands and thousands of employees like that. So then that's true throughout sports, not just in baseball, but uh, those people that are working stadiums and arenas in, in the NBA, NHL that would have worked in the NCAA tournament, these those are the you know the, the folks that are that are really affected, uh, going to be affected by this. But even uh, when you left Arizona, the players were basically given the option they could stay at the at the training camp or go home. But um, and, and you talked to some who did both, right? Yeah, yeah. Basically, um, MLB and the Players Association came up with three options. That was you could go home. You could stay in the city of uh, spring training. So for like the Royals, that meant you could go home, you could go to the Surprise. Or the third option, you could go back to the city of your home club. So that would be Kansas City. So that your three options were Kansas City, Surprise, or home. Um, on As of Saturday, I talked to Danny Duffy, who was still in Surprise. And it you know, seemed like he was planning on staying there and training there and trying to stay ready um, for whenever they did you know, resume full camp. Because camps had been shut down. Guys could still train there, but there was no, going to be really no organized camp anymore. Um, but the facilities and the training staff, and I mean, you could, there's still reason that you could you know, see staying there. So Duffy was planning to do that. Whereas Whit Merrifield got back to me via text while he was on his way to the, actually, I think he was actually in the airport about to get on the plane to go head back to North Carolina. And then his situation, every player's situation is going to be different, but his situation, he was in the process, he got married in the offseason, in the process of building the house. And so there's still work going on building this house, which he wasn't going to be around for at all because he was going to be in spring training and the season was going to start. He's going to take the opportunity to at least go back for a few days and be there while that's going on. And he also has the added bonus of, you know, his father's an associate AD at Wake Forest. His brother plays baseball there. He was going to be able to use those facilities to train. Um, so that's just two examples of where, got, you know, a good reason for a guy to want to go home and be able to still stay in shape and have the ability to do that. And like Duffy said, he felt like he wanted to be there and try and stay ready for whenever, because you have no certainty on when things are going to start again, but he wanted to stay ready and stay in shape and be able to work there with you know the staff like he talked about like i asked him about you know just how he was adjusting things and he said he's deferring to cal eldred the pitching coach who's still there that's he was leaning on him for how to go about getting himself ready and staying ready so did you, did you get a sense of um, uh, th- those were two examples but um, uh, how many did take off i'm not sure i was trying to uh get an idea trying to reach out to some folks in the royals but there's a lot of th- figuring out going on between them, the MLB, the Players Association. Um, it's And the minor leaguers are the ones who seem like they're really in the tightest spot because um, as of today, I think it was, um, I want to say Ken Rosenthal put it out first and I was able to confirm it that MLB, MLBPA is going to give you up to $1,100 a week for players who are on the 40-man roster or certain non-roster invites can get up to that amount each week for even if they go home for what would have been their spring training allowance to living expenses and things so you can still get that even if you go home 
um, if you're one, you fall into those categories. But if you're a minor leaguer who's not making the amount of money that you would make on a 40-man yeah. roster or you know a major league contract, as of right now, it seems like you're on your own. Um, I'm not sure. I can't say for sure if the Royals are trying to do anything in particular for the minor leaguers. You see some reports of certain organizations doing something. Again, I haven't um, been able to get in touch with some folks today. But um, you see where some organizations are trying to do a little bit for guys, but because they're not part of the Players Association and they're not covered under that, their minor leaguers are sort of floating out there. I was, yeah, lamenting the the plight of the uh, the stadium worker, but really the minor league baseball player, I'll tell you what, they, they'd kill for $1,100 a week of living expense money while they're playing. I mean, they don't, they don't get anywhere near that kind of money. And I saw on Twitter yesterday some... So I think some journalists talking about uh, uh, trying to line guys up for jobs in you know in the towns that either wherever they live or the towns that they'll be playing in because those guys aren't going to have much of a source of income at all um, with uh, with no baseball being played and and yet they you know they're going to be assigned teams I mean that's that's going to happen at some point right yeah yeah and I, I mean I just think back to the times because I covered minor league baseball in multiple areas of the country and. Um, the guys who, you know, were basically who signed for next to nothing and just sort of hoping and wishing and trying to play out this dream as long as they can, like, you don't get much money in the minors. You just, you really can't. Um, I think uh, I saw just on Twitter today um, a pitcher who recently signed with the Red Sox, Colin McHugh. He's with the Astros a few years ago, was part of their World Series team. Um, he was just saying how, you know, uh, one of the organizations said they were going to pay the minor league is like $800 uh, for, I think it was a week, or uh, I'm not sure what the, the exact time frame was. And, and he was tweeting saying, you know, it doesn't sound like anything. He said, but $800 when you're expecting $0 is a big deal. I mean, he's a guy who I covered coming through the minors with his wife in these small little cities that, you know, you're trying to get by living five guys to an apartment and yeah. things like that. I know guys who have worked in the off season, like substitute teaching or coaching or things like that, to make ends meet in the minors. Um, you know, and there's some exceptions. I mean, the guys, you know, if you were a first round pick and you had signing bonus money, sometimes those guys get those are the guys who might have the nice car when they're driving through the minor leagues and things like that. But um, the majority of the guys aren't those guys. That's that, that. That to me is an interesting subplot of the coronavirus and how it affects sports. Is the, the lowest level of uh, you know we we all think of pro athletes as being uh, you know all well off you know and, and uh, living the living the good life but it is absolutely not true of of minor league baseball players all right let's let's take a break and we'll be back in just a moment hey it's Blair hey we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. All right, we're back with Lynn Worthy and talking uh, Royals baseball and the stoppage of play of, of all sports. 
um, including including baseball. So, Lynn, I, we didn't talk to you for the last couple of weeks. What were some of your impressions of base, uh, the minor leagues were deep into the, the Grapefruit League schedule and Cactus League schedule. Um, the, the regular season when it was going to start on March 26th, right? The Royals at Chicago. So they were good way through their, their, their spring training schedule. Any... I, gosh, I should know this, and I and I don't. I'm sorry. Do we have did we have an opening day starter announced? It was not announced, but all indication was there was probably going to be Brad Keller again. He he made the opening day start last uh, last year, and I think it was lining up that way where he would be the guy. Um, they just hadn't announced it yet, um, and it was there was a chance that you might have saw um, Duffy could have got the the home opener. Yeah, but um, which would have been the following week. Yeah, so. Um, but that's what it was looking like was Brad Keller was going to be your starter. Uh, we still didn't know where they stood as far as a fifth starter. I mean, we knew the four guys that I could have sat here and told you in January were going to be part of the rotation. We knew those four still were going to be there. And in the fifth spot, they'd even left the door open for potentially doing that opener deal where you have a guy, you know, who gets you through the first part of the lineup and then you go to somebody else for multiple innings and, you know, sort of lean on the bullpen. It didn't look like, I mean, Brady Singer still was in camp, but I, I was pretty sure he was going to end up going back to the minors. He was the last of the four first-round college guys who, you know, everybody sort of latched on to as sort of the, the next hope for uh, uh, their their pitching staff. Um, he was still in camp. He's, he was supposed to throw the day that, the, that everything got canceled. He was actually supposed to throw the day before, but that game uh, got canceled. And um, so then they pushed him back to throw the next day along with Duffy. But uh, obviously he never threw. So uh, I think he actually may have thrown in the bullpen, but all oh, that's going to be moot by the time things get started again. Uh, so, but, yeah, we didn't know. And the bullpen was still looking like, you know, there were a lot of candidates there, and it was going to be interesting to see how that finally shook out. How about, uh, so Junis and Montgomery, the other two starters? Yeah, it was going to be Duffy, Keller, Junis, Montgomery, um, it looked like Jorge Lopez would be in the bullpen. It looked like Glenn Sparkman would be in the bullpen. Um, Sparkman still had options, so in theory he could have been in the minor leagues, but he was going to be a bullpen guy. That's what they had sort of, you know, both of those guys had been fifth starters last year, but the organization really, you know, looked at it and saw that they should be bullpen guys. Really probably should have been last year, but just because they didn't have options as far as a fifth starter, then they were forced into those roles. And then as far as the bullpen, I mean, Trevor Rosenthal and Greg Holland, the two veterans, non-roster invitees, both had looked really good. Both had had success. Both had, um, you know, had been sort of mixed bag the last year, but both looked like they were on track to make this bullpen. And Rosenthal was throwing, he was painting with, uh, you know, 98, 99, 100 miles an hour. And another guy who was doing that was uh, Josh Stalmont, who, um, you know, had come up before and had some issues with command, but... He looked like he was looking really good, too. So there's a lot of things that were starting to take shape, and it was going to be interesting to see that final week, decisions that were made. Um, but, of course, all that got put on hold. How about the uh, how about the first base competition? How was that unfolding? Well, it seemed like you had two good options, where at the beginning of the camp you maybe weren't sure how many options you had or what things looked like. Um, but by then it looked like you might have had two two guys. Yep. Well, then we were talking about first base and what's going on there for the Royals when your phone started to vibrate and Dayton Moore was calling you back. So we took a pause and um, 
And before we get to what uh, what what uh, what's the latest development, let's go back to first base quickly and and how that position was was uh, unfolding with at least a couple of candidates. Yeah, going into um, going into the off season, you know, Ryan O'Hearn had come off of just a, a dreadful pretty much season last year where he had shown a lot of potential, uh, made the team out of spring training for, I believe, the first time. And then just, you know, he ended up hitting, I think it was 190-something for most of the year. He had a demotion in the middle of it down to AAA where he hit well again and then came back up and sort of floundered a little bit at the end of the season. He came up with some big hits. He still showed the power. It's just consistency wasn't there. Um, so going into the offseason, there was a Hearn, and then there was Ryan McBroom, who they picked up at the very end of uh, August from the Yankees via trade, um, who had shown a lot of power in the minor leagues, but didn't show it while he was with the the Royals last year in September, but did show good approach, good ability to get on base, uh, was able to, to hit the ball while he just hadn't really shown that power. So, of course, during spring training, both of them showed power and the ability to hit consistently. Um, one left-handed with O'Hearn, right-handed with McBroom. Um, McBroom also possibility could play some outfield. But um, it was it was almost to a point, and spring training numbers are spring training numbers, but it was to a point where you almost said, well, shoot, it's almost a shame to talk about platooning either one of them because they both looked like they were swinging it so well. But it was headed towards at the time that we, you know, spring training got suspended. Uh, probably a platoon between two guys who are hot most of spring training. Okay, all right. So let's get to it. Uh, you just, I see you've, you've scratched some notes down. <laughs> so uh, what's what's the latest from from uh, Royals general manager Dayton Moore? Yeah, he's still actually in Arizona. So he was calling me from Arizona. I said. Um, it's basically a skeleton crew out there, but he said there's probably about 20, 22 major league players who are still there training. And he he pointed out that, you know, keep in mind that some of them are there maybe just because of the fact that they had leases for spring training. Some of them had family who may have been up visiting because, you know, around the time of this happening, I believe it was around the time where, at least in the Kansas City area, I think there was some of the school breaks and things like that. That's right, that. spring breaks. Yeah. And so so some of them had family, uh, extended family that were in Arizona. So, And he pointed out, he said, you know, Arizona, if you look at some of the numbers, one of the fewer, <laughs> one of the safer places as far as avoiding this. So it might be not be a bad idea to keep family there together so there was some there was about 2022 he said um there's no formal workouts there's no workouts in large groups um they're keeping the facility open for guys who are on the 40-man roster who want to be able to train there they don't have the full staff there but he likened it to the off season because there's staff there year round and there's a lot of players who train there in the off season even before you get to spring training and there's a nutritionist still there there's sports science people there and there's members of the coaching staff still there so that's so they're still working there but again it's not anything formal there's no large groups because of the recommendations from the cdc um and there's a lot of international players that they're they're keeping it there for them too because there's some players that just don't have that option of going home i mean like there's players from places venezuela or dominican if they're not at the dominican academy who are here that you can't just tell them all you're on your, your own to get home so they're that's the other reason they're keeping the facility open is for, for those players but as far as front office, it's just him and J.J. Piccolo who are there, and they'll probably be there at least for a few days, but he sounded like they might be going back and forth depending on how many players still stay. But he expected that the number of players there may wane as we get closer to what would have been the end of spring training anyway. People may not realize it, but that, that facility gets used quite a lot during the year. I mean, before spring training starts, college baseball uses it, and 
And after spring training leaves, um, there's well, Arizona Fall League plays there. And so that, that, that field gets a lot of – and during spring training, either the Rangers or Royals are playing on it every single day. So that facility does get a lot of use. And um, so it is a full-time, you know, a year-round sort of maintenance crew. There's always somebody at that facility. Yeah, yeah. and there's still, still going to be people there. It's not going to be the full staff, but there will be people there. And um, and even on top of the groups that you mentioned, I mean, there's players. I mean, like a guy like uh, Nicky Lopez lived in Scottsdale this off season, so that he could be able to go back and forth multiple times a week to train at the facility, to have access to the nutritionist, to have access to strength and conditioning people. I think uh, Nick Heath I've spoken to in the past that talked about, you know, he comes home to the Kansas City area, Kansas area, and spends some time there. But by the time you get to about January, he's headed towards Arizona to continue training there before spring training. And there's multiple players. And, and there's also a lot of staff that's based out of Arizona, whether it's sports and uh, it's not sports, sports uh, performance, uh, right. nutrition, and those people live in that area. That's where they're based out of because of the facility there. So there's a lot of people. It's sort of a natural fit for them to be working out of there. Um, meanwhile, um, the statement from the Royals today, just talking about the Kansas City-based staff, they've sent those folks to work from home. They closed the box office, closed the, the team store. Um, the Kansas City-based workers are going to be basically told to work from home for at least the next two weeks. All right, Lynn, thanks for stopping by, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for finding us at SportsBKC, and thanks to our producers, Derek Donovan, Savannah Smith, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. A cap tip to Lynn Worthy for stopping by to chat Royals. I'm not sure how long it's going to take me to get used to a world without sports. I'm not there yet. But we will be here on Sports Beat KC talking sports in Kansas City. I hope you keep listening.